it's your boy Mike Truth, aka Boogie McCab. Uh, today, you guys can call me Boogie, and I am live with my co-host Miss LA Wade. Nice to meet you all. Nice to see you all. Uh, we have a, a guest on our phone. His name is Camille, and we actually met through Instagram, Ooh. where well, we didn't meet. He just kind of he sends uh, a lot of different things to me through a direct message around the state of black people and in this case it was in the state of the black woman so i just thought with our show being about the exploitation of black women um it seemed very timely what had, had occurred in new york city could you talk to that camille yes absolutely um, i'd like to greet everyone in the greeting words of peace uh subscriptions in life but i'd like to greet everyone the whole Diaspora and the uh, black community with the greeting words of Asalaamu Alaikum and uh, hope to have peace and black power. Um, I'm greatly honored and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share uh, what what um what is going on, what's transpiring in actually New Jersey, New York. And uh, I want to make sure I have to actually mention. You guys hear me okay? Mm -hmm. Can you hear him? Yeah. Shannon, I'm yeah. going to look to you because you're in the room, so you would be able to give me the yes. Okay, she gave a thumbs up. Dre says yes online. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I can't, I can't uh, be on uh, live with you, but I'm, I'm working on that. I'm okay. Okay. But, um, what, is, what has happened in Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, Monday the 10th? And um, so, um, I know I'm, it's the first podcast I've, I've been with them. So, um, if I'm a little bit here and there with it, pardon me, bear with me. Oh, don't uh, worry. I'm worse than you. <laughs> let me give you more formal introduction. I like to go by the name of Brother Camille. I am a servant. I am a student of the most honorable minister of Bush Farrakhan. I found the teachings in the New York State Correctional Facility, although I knew of the Nation of Islam and uh, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan before then. Um, but I actually was acclimated into the teachings and a what I would consider, consider a dark period in my life, but it was also the most awakening and enlightening period of my life, uh, where I uh, found uh, the teachings in the most light. So, at this date in time, um, I testimony like anybody else, but I'll, I'll get right to the chase. I'm originally out of South Carolina. Um, I've been living in New York uh, over 20 years, 41 years of age. Uh, so, um, where I'm at is I'm in Jefferson County, New York. This is uh, about 30, uh, 35, 40 minutes from New York City. Uh, we connected by the train, actually. But um, in this county, um, uh, on March 10th, uh, we had two of our young by the name of Jamila, uh, Jalissa Dawkins, and um, I think it's Jamila Barnett, okay? And uh, they, they were uh, assaulted by the police for lack of better words. One of the sisters were, um, there was a fight going on prior, okay? There was a fight going on, it was at the school hours, a lot of kids getting out, and um, there was a fight going on with a young lady who was being attacked. She was being jumped. And uh, these two young sisters had nothing to do with the matter, but they did, one of them knew the young lady being attacked, and she went to sit by her side after the attack was over to make sure that she was all right, to, back, to make sure that she was breathing. She was. Uh, she was attacked with booms and everything. So the police got there and uh, they told her to leave uh, her friend's side. And also uh, 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 that, that um, you know, the language 
wasn't good language from what I hear. And uh, also, the sister, who seen uh, that her sister was there helping her friend out, uh, was, was immediately snatched as she approached the officer. She was snatched and slammed to the ground. What you don't see is uh, the other young lady uh, who was sitting with the friend. You don't see her being accosted because it happened in a real short clip. And, uh, but it happened before the other sister was actually grabbed and slammed to the ground. Um, the mother was present. Uh, Ms. Lynch was present. And uh, this is a fresh matter. So uh, what we're doing is, um, I, I feel like a lone soldier out here, family. I don't, you know, I'm not uh, in an area where you have too many that's dissatisfied. So I'll say that. So um, they're not really uh, uh, too responsive. But um, what's happened is uh, the police chief, Thomas Pat has uh, brought charges on the two young ladies, not only for obstructing uh, justice, um, they also uh, trying to charge them with the resistant arrest and bringing them into family court. So um, it, it's, you know, it's a real ugly situation where it's going to call for uh, you know, a, a big attention and uh, mention and notice abroad uh, just due to the fact of you know, these are, these are not, these are preteens. One is a teenager and one is, one is even that. Um, but, you know, whatever fight power do we have? And this is why I'm so grateful that I have this opportunity to uh, address this to your social media platform because this is uh, the, the tool that we have to actually affect the situation, to bring notice to it. Okay? So, um, you know, I, I wasn't too long with that. No. I've heard everything I've uh, we appreciate you sharing this story with us and to bringing it to light. Um, are, is there an organized event that we can circulate or uh, send out a link towards some information towards yeah, what you're so doing so we can uh, share it now on the platform? Yeah, so um, there's, a, there's a sister by the name of Vanessa Green. Who's a, uh, she's been boots on the ground for a while. She's done work other um, We haven't had the direct chance to work on things uh, together except for things like this. This is something that I'm, you know, um, I respond to because I, I work a lot with the schools in the district. I work a lot with the kids in the district. Okay. And I'm trying to help change some of the curriculum. Right. Um, but, but I do, I do have, it, it, it's going to be, it, it's going to have to, uh, the link will be VMG 78. And that's the mm -hmm. Instagram. Can you can you give me like coordinates like as if you were on a plane? It's V. Did you say V is in Victor? Oh yes, yes, yes. V is in Victor. M M is in Master. Or yeah. And G is in G is in Great. As in Great. Yes, G G is in as in Giraffe. Okay. So VMG. Okay. Yes. Yeah, seventy-eight eight. Seventy-eight eight. Seventy-eight eight zero. Okay. Yeah, and I also, mm -hmm. and, and I also was. Um, this is an IG. Okay. Correct. This is the, this is the IG. Yes, and I'll send you. I'll do is I'll send you. Um, this, there's an actual. We have a meeting set up for Monday. Uh. uh Kissy, New York. Um, what I'll do is I'll oh, the link is www. Yeah. 
Okay, callblackline.com. Callblackline.com? Yeah, and it's a flash with one of those funny symbols there. It's up. Okay, Dre says you got it. Um, okay, yeah. And, and that, that, that's uh, Vanessa who works out of the area. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Newburgh. Uh, New York, but um, well, we Marcel, so Camille, just so you know, um, Boogie and myself are in Toronto, Canada. Um, we have people wow. from, yeah, people are from in the room that are here from Florida, from Los Angeles. There are some people from New York, specifically Staten Island, on the line. I don't know where Vet and all the other people are from, but through our own networks. Hey, Kinte, we'll be able to um, share your links that you've shared with us and, um, you know, spread the word and hope that something can come out of this, this necessary work, which kind of is a great segue into what it is that we want to talk about today. Um, oh, where can we see the video? So the video that you direct message me, uh, who was the, yeah. who were the people that po posted that I, video? I, those are my videos. I do have a, uh, yeah, so if you follow Brother Camille, yeah, um, yeah, Brother Camille. and it's K-A-M-I-L, yes. um, we'll post that as well. You have to put the Brother Hey, Kinte. So um, we're just adding that to our, our, because what happens is when you come into the chat, Camille, uh, People can see us, and then there are people that watch along the sidelines, and so we share information that way also. Hey, Tanya. Um, that's so that's what's happening. So we're having this conversation. You're free to stay on my phone and, and continue the conversation um, and feel, and if you want to join in in the conversation, that's fine. We're talking today about uh, the exploitation of black women. So this was kind of a part of that um I think it's something that I personally, obvious, for obvious reasons, being a black woman, strikes so many different chords for me. And I have wonderful friends like Boogie here, my co-host, my boy Fax in the background who just remains, you know, incognito. But we were having... <laughs> I'm laughing, uh, Camille, because uh, one of our co-hosts or one of our engineer actually said, is L.A. black? Wait a minute, L.A. black? Anyway, he's just, he's always teasing and he said, he just sabotages my conversation because I'll read what he says and it will throw me completely off. Um, and while it's funny, this topic isn't actually really funny to me. Um, and so I would appreciate if we gave a little bit more attention <laughs> to the cause because um, I posted some things on our IG page, on the Elephant Room page. And some of the feedback that I got was that black women are choosing to be exploited and that it isn't actually an, uh, an outside exploitation. And my first reaction for that was, um, you know, I was kind of upset and I called him Kanye and the person was offended by me calling him Kanye with the choice conversation. But to be honest, I didn't really consider the fact that, um, there is a there is a level of some agency at least currently, but I know that it comes from an intergenerational trauma, and um, I'm not trying to make excuses for women out there who are putting 
themselves out there like that. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have we can't look at it specifically in that context. Uh, Dre, what is he saying? Why the hell are the police allowed to do ish like that to children? But if a parent spanks their kids, but um, the, the Children's Aid Society is called. He says that video is freaking upsetting. That's to you, um, Brother Camille. So what I'm trying to get at with our first question or with the first thing that we want to kind of tackle is how much agency is involved when a woman is exploited. And when we look at Hot and Top Venus, I don't know if you're all aware who that Hot and Top Venus is from the picture on our on our ad. But she, do you want to talk to that? Because I'm kind of, I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's okay. It's like, um, so Hot and Top Venus was this black woman from South Africa. Her name was Sarah Blart, Blart, Barton. 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 Bartman. Yes. And um, she was put on display um, all throughout Europe like for her um for her body parts so she has she has a like so for her her backside and just like her body was just basically they put on display to showcase as if she was some kind of a you know um like i guess relic or whatnot <laughs> and well they said that they were doing it for research reasons and mm -hmm. um they like people were allowed to touch her genitals they were inspecting the, the her behind but she was also promised wealth in Europe as a result of going with these people. She wasn't just snatched and, and um, consciously enslaved. This would be seen in the eyes of the person on my Instagram as somebody who was making a choice to uh, go and work for her money. And the work that she was doing just happened to also exploit her. Um, and when you look at how that was in relation to all of these music videos and all of the women kind of like, being really sexually explicit in those videos, you have to wonder, is there a difference? Is there agency? Was she wrong for wanting to go and make that money and and try to make something different for herself? Now, you, this, keep in mind, we're having this conversation with the idea that Boogie, myself, and Fax have already gone through this whole conversation, which I wish we just saved for, for now. So I'm almost... I'm emotionally already depleted from having this conversation mm -hmm. because I kind of see where it goes. Mm -hmm. But I am interested in what you have to say, Shannon. What do you think about the hot and taut Venus and the the modern day uh, Venuses? I mean, I don't know if there's really a huge um, comparison yet. There is. This was what she was born in what 1770. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if she had a whole lot of choice. And of course, everybody, because I'm one of those people, of course she had a choice. What was her alternative? Um, and was her alternative greater than the choice that she made? Um, answer simply, no. Um, today's Venus, in essence, um, there's levels to it. I mean, there are people who are human trafficked. There are people who are pimped. Um, there are people who, um, reality TVs of the world, who are exploited but enjoy it, so to speak. Um, and it may be their persona or how they're acting, but then that gives other people permission to do the same. So it's almost like, where is your moral compass in that? Because, yeah, you're making money portraying this person, but now everyone's watching you act a fool and degrade one another and call each other out of your names and wear close to nothing. And so there are so many different levels to what we see today. Um, and some of that is perpetuated by society. 
um, and given by the masses to say it's okay. And some of it is ourselves. I mean, we can't always be the victim when we know better. Yeah, when I think about the agency aspect and, and exploiting myself for the dollar, it makes me think about a whole bunch of white women that can present themselves in any way they want and call it empowerment. You know, it's their bodies, they have the right to do with it what they want, but somehow that doesn't translate to the black female body. Um, so what is the agency really is, and, and are we trying to, are we trying to understand ourselves through the eyes of our oppressor and think that the things that we do is equal and so, and can be seen as equal? Mm. That's, yeah, that's a very valid point. Cause that, I mean, that, that's the thing, this conversation is like, um, I, I want to know more insight from, um, the, the women that are in the room, um, in which ways, basically, like, do you feel you are being, in a sense, exploited or not exploited? Like, what does that even mean to you when you hear Black women being exploited? Like, I mean, because like, when you when you listen to um, the, 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 just her story and just everything in general, so the construct of us, our ancestors being brought here, and and then just through our history in general, um, women just being I guess basically just objectified and almost seen as um second class in a sense right 100 like, percent. like the history of that and nowadays we're in the era of um I guess feminism like how does that clash like in in, in this modern day era where you know you, you go into the work into workforce or just like in, in your in your livelihoods how, I wonder how does exploitation show up in your lives? For example, Shannon, do you feel like you you, um, you get exploited as a woman, as a black woman? And do you um, like? <laughs> do you choose? <laughs> no, I mean, do you like it? Like for real? I mean, I think in certain arenas, I would probably say yes. For case in point, when I was a nanny, um, and this, of course, children they. They say and do what they see from experience and parenting. But two of the kids would always ask me questions like I spoke for the entire Black race. And I'm like, first of all, I'm one person. <laughs> and um, I'm just one drop in a bigger ocean. Like, they're not, we are not all alike. We don't all talk alike. We don't all use the same dialect. We don't all enunciate or pronounce words the same. We don't dress the same. We don't eat the same. We don't all wear glasses. We don't all have natural hair. So I cannot speak for anyone but myself, but usually when they ask questions about black people, it was in reference to, and even specifically the older one who was a male asked about black women. He thought that I spoke for all black women. And I'm like, you're a kid, so I'm not going to hold it against you, but allow me to educate you just a little bit. Um, and yes, there's been some growth there. I don't necessarily think that I like being exploited. I like exposure and there is a difference um to me and there's a good and a bad of all those things um it depends on what you're being exploited for i mean because um you know if, okay. it, if it's a bad exposure no i don't like that and i don't want that um i don't want to be seen as the bad side of who we are based on what media represents um so i represent myself in a light that is um good and honorable and has integrity um, and you can exploit the hell out of that because 
I'm okay with that. Well, to your point, there was this Google ad that they did about black girl magic, right? And I'm just gonna play that for you really quick. What? I can't do it anymore. So then Google puts their name and their stamp on Black Girls Matter. And, um, you know, they get to say what is Black Girl Magic because they've co-opted it from us yet again. The cultural appropriation of Black women, the exploitation of Black women in a positive light, is that good or is that also seen as bad? Um, there were two women that have been fighting over the name Black, Girls Ma Black Girl Magic Mm -hmm. um, black two black women. Well. Uh, well, Black Girls Rock was hers first, oh, okay. and then she went and went through the process of um, doing a copyright for Black Girls Magic. And somebody else had already been coined as somebody who was the owner of that, but she didn't go through the process. But neither of these women were addressed when Google co-opted it and put together a nice montage of their of Black women experiences in the positive light. Um, and then at the end of the video, they put up their Google as if to say, for me, when I saw when Rihanna, not to like to uh, digress, but when I saw Rihanna's picture with TMZ stamped on her forehead when she was beaten by Chris Brown, it's kind of like this corporatization and we are owned again. So uh, no matter what our experiences are, we seem to be owned by these corporations that can co-opt our images, our bodies, much like the hot and tot, and be there for the male gaze. I mean, in that that picture with Rihanna, her eyes are closed. She doesn't even have the agency to open her eyes and be a part of that. When you see a watermark on someone, it's like she was branded. Mm -hmm. And so now Black Girls Magic has become branded in a sense. Um, and it was a positive video. You know, you could even become moved and emotional that this was a very positive thing. But what is the bigger agenda? And what about that can we own for ourselves? What does it make you think, Kinte? You're talking about the Google video? Yeah, the Google video. Or it any of it. Doesn't make me feel anything. I don't look towards Google for uh, their acceptance. So I don't care what Google does. I care more about what our community, how we view each other. And I'm more concerned about the way that Black men and women relate to each other. So whether Google gives us a thumbs up or not is irrelevant to me. And I feel like any black person who's looking for somebody outside of our community to, to give you some sort of thumbs up, I think you're already lost. So I don't care what Google feels like. Um, you know, I feel more, I, I feel more like it's about how we define ourselves as black people. 
than what Google does, whether it's when you may think it's positive. I don't know. I mean, I got to see the video. I mean, who are we highlighting? You know, I didn't uh, I mean, I kind of saw it. So, you know, are those people I really want to highlight, you know, as far as uh, representing black women? I don't think it's so much that uh, we're looking to Google to validate us. I didn't look to Google to validate me. They just put a video out on the International Women's Day and said, hey, black women, look. And they put it out there and I was like, oh, okay. But for me, those images, for because I've seen some of those videos individually, like the two women talking to black women, trying to empower us on an Instagram post from a black woman who put that out there. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, snippets of that video was put into a montage for me to understand my experience. Mm. And while I didn't look to them to do that for me, mm -hmm. they are informing mm -hmm. uh, millions of young black women that are on Google and think, oh, look how great they are. Look what they did for us. And the point that- Go, go ahead, Fax. I was just gonna say that that's a part of, when you really look at it, that's a, that's a part of corporate branding. Like mm -hmm. they, they're always mm -hmm. trying to, to associate with, uh, with movements and causes and ideas. Um, what was that? The, the the one with the toxic masculinity that got so much play. Um, uh, Terry Crews. Yeah, no, this is the one. Where, uh, the the Gillette. That's what I'm thinking about. Like the Did Gillette ad, right? Oh. Uh, you guys remember that one? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. The, if you look up, if you do a, a, a Google search for Gillette, <laughs> do a Yahoo search. How about that? For, <laughs> for uh, a Gillette masculinity uh, ad, you'll see like they basically wrap their brand around the idea of of changing the dialogue around what masculinity is so you know corporations they have an agenda at the end of the day a corporation is just a business trying to make money they're trying to create uh, brand loyalty and brand affiliation with popular causes so you know specific to black people is this something that we can say is specific to black people google doesn't put out a, a bunch of ads targeting at black people right but they are going to jump on an International Women's Day. They're going to jump on, a, um, as, as, as Lauren pointed out, a montage of positive black uh, imagery mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and use that as a way to get some brand cachet, right? But, mm -hmm. but is, that, is, that, is, that, is that central to this idea of exploitation mm -hmm. and self-exploitation? And I just want to throw one thing out there is when I think about exploitation, I think about all these housewives of this and that wherever the hell city mm -hmm. and people and because one of the things that's problematic for me is the idea of the the money grubbing selfish materialistic um over sexualized black woman which i think gets popularized as a trope on some of those types of shows mm -hmm. and and that to me is more divisive than the ad from google but anyways you all can comment on that and i think um kind of to add to that i find that um yeah that you mentioned it's the whole it becomes exploitation when there's capitalistic gains that are acquired with without the group that are being showcased anyways i'm benefiting in my opinion because i i find that after they, they did the ad if they followed it with some kind of, we've opened uh, a sense of where you know we've given opportunities to different black um women or at, like afro descendants that then i'd be like oh okay like i could see there's some kind of basically i guess gains to this but the fact that they jumped on uh, a slogan that is um meant to empower um black black women and they just put it out there and it is basically like like um attract more recognition for their brand like in a sense that google is you know is out here supporting the cause and you know like salam and peace to, to everybody and 
it's, it becomes problematic when it's like we we're not doing this for ourselves and there's no financial gains that that, that we're, we're, get, we're getting so that's where for me it becomes very problematic and yes that is like pure exploitation and and it happens on so many different levels it's been happening for centuries and what is going on now is that like the i i believe that we're just imitating and replicating a cycle that um was really really enforced during er- like um like Jim Crow eras and everything where we were just cattle. So like that mindset now is basically been going on. And we, I think our women, and, and I, I don't want to mansplain a lot. That's why I was like, you know, I'm, I, if, I'm just kind of letting the conversation go. But no, I, don't worry. I believe that um, our women basically now have acquired this idea, and not everybody, but has acquired this idea that for survival, I have to show up in a certain way. I have to let, certain things happen to me and my body, even if I don't feel comfortable with it, I'm going I'm going to allow it to happen for survival. So then for me, the question now basically like I I was mentioning it to this um a late earlier, it's about us redefining what survival is for us. And cause because right now survival it has everything everything to do with capitalism. We're doing it all for the money. A lot of a lot of people are doing everything for the money. Like, like, so some some women basically. I have no choice. I'm I'm going to hop on the pole to basically um make money, and and like if I can actually just uh, read what Dre wrote, he said it's a part of the breakdown of the black family. It t- it tells the watchers that it's okay for you black women to be independent, ratchet, money thirsty, and promiscuous. Like I agree, like to that point, like hundred percent. Talking about the Google one. Um, I was just about to say, are we talking about Google? Are we talking about talking something about else? Exploitation in general. Exploitation can be co-opted to make you feel like it's a positive thing through like via the Google thing, or it can be like the girls uh popping the coochie in the videos. It can be the woman being knocked down by the police. Black women, this is where where the feeling of black women are just there for people to do what they want to with them. And I'm asking about agency in any of those situations. And in regards to what Dre is saying, I think that it's interesting to also juxtapose that with white female respectability and how they like to position themselves as the moral good and anything opposite to that is bad. And when black women try to walk through this life imitating the white woman, it's going to automatically put us at a polarized difference with black men. To Kinte's point, it is automatically gonna destroy the black family when the black woman is trying to be independent like the white woman, because we are not equal. And when we try to act like these women, there's a double standard and we're not calling out that elephant and thinking that we are the same person and they want to co-opt us to take on their their feminism that has nothing to do with us but but let's let's be honest though that that thing that we're talking about about that's acceptable for white women that's not inherently african traits so it's not really (laughs) no it's not it's really not we have a we have What's that when you've been kidnapped and you're like, you act like you're kidnapped? You know, so you find value in being, you know, you want to be like Kim Kardashian and make a sex tape and become a billionaire. I mean, like, you know, that's, you know, 
that that's something to ascribe to me. You know, you're upset because I, well, what if I want to be a hoe too? And, and I want the same uh, respect. No, I mean, I, what is that to, to fight for? I don't, I don't get that mentality uh, of that. I think we have to walk in our own, our own light. And so, so what do you suggest they do? Go ahead. Facts. I was going to say that like earlier on in our, our pre dialogue our about this, this, this whole topic, one of the things we're talking about is you're right that you, we have to have our own path. The, 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 the white majority has their own path, but their path has been defined largely by themselves. We're having a pathway that's being defined for us. So get the car, get the bling, get the, you know, the, this whole crass sort of materialism. It's easy to talk about crass materialism when you have 10 generations of, of wealth accumulation on the backs of stolen land and labor. And, 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 and that, again, that's not for everybody, but certainly by the, the, the dint of being white, you benefit from a system that gives you that advantage. And so here we are late in the race, having a tenth of the wealth of, of the dominant group and without our, our own sort of um, economic and social mooring. Who are we? What do we want? What do we need? And redefining our mission. So then we're jumping on saying, all right, well, I want all the stuff that that group has. And so you're, 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 supporting, you're supporting a cause that's really ironically been built on this, the past suffering of your ancestors without defining how you're going to uh, 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 move within that system and what's best, best for you. Mm. You, know, you know what I don't like about the Google thing is mm. to me it's like a trinket. It's like it's like they do this shit with us and we're about to go into a uh, a election cycle where they love to do things like you'll see uh Beto, whatever his name is, he'll yeah, be he'll be doing the Dougie with some good uh, <laughs> and they love to give us stuff that, that don't really amount to nothing. And what I'm saying is, okay, that was great. Google ad, you know, um, showing, you know, black girl magic, whatever. But at the end of the day, does it really do anything for us? I don't think so. We need to chase power. We need to chase, uh, we need to chase um, control of our own communities and our own destiny and stop wanting them, wanting uh, some sort of glorification by them. Hmm. And I'm sorry. Go ahead. So,
I mean, when they integrated the, the schools, um, you know, we got all white teachers. You know, you can barely find a black teacher anywhere. All right. And so this is a sad epidemic. We're in a, we're in an epidemic and a crisis, and, and we're in a race war. All of that comes up. Like I said, this is real juicy, and this can get, this can go a lot of places. But I can say that. You know, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad tells us that when you find no decent women, when you find no decent men, there is no decent women. Meaning that I believe that the man, and solely the man, has to take up the responsibility in the home. You have to be self-accountable. Without any accountability, nothing will change, brothers and sisters. Nothing. I mean, it, it has to start with the leadership qualities in the home. And how do you want your daughter to and your son to treat each other? And how do they receive and act uh, amongst others? It's mannerism. So uh, what you see in, in the streets or in, in, in the uh, popularized uh, uh, television or the, uh, what you call reality shows, yeah, they're looking for opportunity. Some of them are not very bright, okay? And I, I don't take it. I mean, I'm not, not, not a knock on that. But, you know, they have an opportunity, and they have to feed their family. But the problem is we create no jobs. So if we don't get to some self-creativity, we are going to continue to have this kind of a problem. And the women will continue to act out without any leadership from real men that are willing to put their boots to the ground and do something about it, protect them, put the camera down, man. Put mm. the camera down. Mm. I mean, yeah, damn. Mm-hmm. You know, see, this is why this this is why we're in the condition that we're in and we're accepting a lot of the behavior. So mm. I don't want to take up too much time. That's that's what I gotta say. Mm. Very well no. That's important. What you're what you're talking about is very important because it's just passion. I just got passion in the outside. <laughs> Well, when I put when I put like I said, I put this uh, a bunch of different things. Actually, I put up a picture of an Asian man with his arms around two African women holding the breasts of these African women while he was hold mm-hmm. one of them was holding the hands of a child. He should have beat the shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was some of the response on Instagram is that that guy should get his ass kicked. But some people were just saying that you know. Don't blame the Chinese man. Those women uh, chose to do it. Uh, and, and so it gave me the question, you know, if, are we really in charge of that? And no. what is the responsibility when these, you know, the music, do, uh, the music, the music industry, really women are not in control of the music industry. Uh, maybe, right. The music industry is controlled by men. Uh, and mostly white men. White men. White men. Right. I was Jewish, saying, white, Jewish men. Men, but the, artist, the artist is having to make the same decision at times as the women are to be in the video. Because if their their carrot is being held, here I'm going to make you famous, you can do your music, all you got to do is make your video, oh, we should do a little bit of like this, a little bit of like that. That man right there, he doesn't have any agency then either. Because he's then choosing to put the black woman in the video to have her be the modern hottentot. But you know what it is though is that they realize it's all about who who you empower, right? So in the beginning of hip hop, the ones that were empowered were the conscious brothers, right? Like you have Public Enemy and all those guys. So what they started doing was they started empowering the uh, the assholes. So once you empower them and make them the standard, then it you basically you know it just keeps replicating itself so so that's where you know you give them all the resources and then what happens is that's what gets put into the culture have you guys ever heard of an artist named ernest hogan from the 1920s 
I, I believe it. Yeah, sorry. There, there's an artist by the name of uh, Ernest uh, Ernest Holden, I believe his name was from the 1920s, and he made a song called "All Coons Look Alike to Me." And he, he was fabulously wealthy. And sometimes I'll talk to guys who are in the hip hop industry, and I ask, "Who's who? Who's your forebearer? Who started your movement?" And I always say, "I'm like, y'all got to talk to Ernest because he's the guy that started this whole coonery in music." Uh, that you guys are basically making money out of still today. And that's your, that's for many of these guys, their philosophical uh, uh, um, guy, right? Um, and you have people who, I mean, look at the people who became popularized in rap. And I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but just the whole idea of guys, many people who glorify drug dealing or were drug dealers. These are people who have no problem hurting people in their own communities on a good day. So to now turn around and make music about it and exploit your community a, a second time for a higher profit is it's it's a no brainer. With the seduction of the image to compound it and to you know recruit all of the younger ones that are you know they're attracted to that. Right. So so the thing is so let's be let's be frank. We hold up somebody like Jay Z, all right, because of the fact that what because he has a lot of money and certainly he's participating in the community, but he's done his fair share of exploiting in our community and profiting mm -hmm. very greatly from it. Same with, you know, all of these guys. We can go down the list from the TIs, the, the any guy who's, you know, the, the P. Diddy, name them. Everybody has benefited and now everybody's turning conscious, but nobody's turning away and saying they don't want the money from their, from their, uh, 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 their authoring money for, for, or, or producing money mm -hmm. off of those records. They're not turning those, all of those funds over to the community. It's easy to get conscious once you got banked. And, <laughs> And the whole thing that I got a problem with is when we talk about exploitation within our community, all we're talking about, whether it's those two women having their breasts fondled, mm -hmm. whether it's girls in a music video, whether it's rappers who are trying to get on and they're talking about nigga this and nigga that, we're talking about asymmetrical power. These are, you're in a situation where you're disempowered and you feel that you have to do what you have to do in order to get empowered. Mm -hmm right? In order to get some sense of equality or in order just to get by. Yeah. So, you know, I, I must say to the brother that is, he, he mentioned Louis Farrakhan, one of the things I love about the minister uh, is it's, a, it, it's it, he deals with the problem from a, from a top level down. We can disagree on politics or this, that, and the third, but he's right. You, you, if you don't have a, a community, if you don't have your own, then you're completely in a state of disempowerment. Yeah. Right. And you're always going to have this asymmetric relationship with the majority, whether it be white or in, in increasingly in Africa, Asian. Right. So you got to focus on building your own community. So then like, for me, I'm wondering then, like, as far as um, protection wise, like, how do we basically then get to um, protect our women from exploitation? Because I mean, it's it's seeming that it's a big business, like um, expo like exploiting, like it's a big business that we, that that's making it, like a lot of money. Yeah, you ever see the video with the guy who's on the on the train in the UK, and this guy this guy starts to to to, to scream at this woman. It's in the UK. This uh, what actually no, I think it was in the states. This guy starts screaming at this black woman, and out of nowhere, brothers just started coming up, and it was just it was just all fists. Right. Mm. That's how you empower your women. That's how you stand behind them. Mm. You know what I mean? Drop the camera, as the brother said, drop the camera and muscle up. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. We got to hold ourselves accountable, man. 
I believe that that's, that's the root of it. It definitely starts at the home. It can't be an outer problem. It has to be an inner problem. has to be introspect done. Um, a lot of us don't like to do it. You know, it's a saying, I believe, that the successful person never wants to admit their shortcomings. But, um, you know, it has to be, uh, it has to be done at home. And, um, if we're not willing to look at that little girl like our daughter or our, our sister, then the problem won't change. And, you know, that, that, you know, we have to take on that. It was the, the attitude of the village of raising a child. Somehow we've gotten away from that. Where, you know, we, you know, you, you're afraid to say anything to the children because they might curse you out. And, and on top of that, the parents might have cost you too. But, um, it's the thing is that uh, we have to be fearless. And this is what uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan talked about when he talked about 10,000 fearless and justice or else. This is not for the Nation of Islam to do. This is not for the Black Panther Party, for the Kemetics, but this is not for any particular group. This is a unified effort. We don't all have to think alike. You know, uh, uh, unity is not uniformity. But we do have to get some things uh, uh, on the table and, and, and understood that we're being uh, under, we're being assaulted. Our women are being exploited because we are allowing that, and um, we got to grow with that, for lack of better words. You know, um, that's what it comes down to. You got to tell your brother. You got to tell your sister. Look, I don't agree. So um, that's where I'm at with that. I don't know. What do you think, LA? Because I, I mean, I hear, and don't get me wrong. Everything the men have said have been amazing, but I always ask from the perspective of have you asked a woman how she wants to be protected? Because you can give your answers and they are beautiful and they are wrapped up in a gorgeous present, but if she's not there, she don't care. So yeah. does that work for you, LA? Yeah, at the end of the day, I think what's happening is, <laughs> we, I guess it's that mansplaining that people are, are talking about where uh, men are getting to define what it is that is best for the woman, which, you know, this is where I feel that tension between white feminism and black feminism. And people, I, I seem like a contradiction in this way, in the sense that I do believe that there's a certain place that women can hold in a home to help make a black family become very successful. And, um, and it's different than the idea of replacing the white male by taking his spot and um, becoming empowered. Uh, I do believe that we need to support one another. And that has to be a conversation like you're saying, Shannon. Um, but there's a whole psychological exploitation that takes place, one that we've internalized that we do to ourselves, that I think black, a lot of black men have a, an unconscious bias about. They're, they're kind of on unknowing um, to what it is that they do to help further facilitate how we feel and see ourselves, even though it's just like I'm not looking to Google to explain who I am. I'm not looking to the black man to explain who I am either. But that if part. I see something like, yeah, were you going to say something? No, I said that part. Yeah. <laughs> when I think about, uh, yeah, I'm not looking to them to explain who I am. Uh, it's just really difficult to understand who I am on my own without decolonizing and um, stripping myself of how I'm supposed to think. Uh, I don't have a an idea that's presented to me as an option, I would say. And um, I think a lot of black women, are you leaving Boogie? <laughs> I, I think that a lot of black women are, are suffering because when I say something like, let me see, 
Black women are treated really, really badly. Black men want to talk about how bad they're treated. And then it becomes the oppression Olympics around who's treated mm -hmm. worse. But so right away, right. as a male voice, it again silences my voice from my experience. We all have bad experiences. But if the topic mm -hmm. is around my experience, maybe not use that opportunity to then you know, replace my experience with what's happening for you if the topic is about me and what I'm what I'm going through. Just like when we have a lot of um, white males come into the room and they start to share their experience while we're in the middle of talking about what's happening to black people. It's a similar kind of thing where it's like, we get it. We understand that you are all, we're all victims to white supremacy. Um, some people are better off in that situation than others. Um, I don't know. I, w I want to be able to get along with my brothers, but I feel like we need, there's a psychological aspect that's not getting teased out. Okay, I know you're burning to say something because you got to go. No, I'm sorry to say that. There's just a conversation that needs to be had. I mean, the conversation started with us talking about exploitation of black women, and yet we've circled around the black family mm -hmm. and what men should do and all these other different topics, not that they're not important because they are, but that wasn't the topic. And so you have to begin to unpack why do we do what we do? Why bring in all these other things? Not that they, again, not important, but we have to focus on something and make that the main thing and unpack that first. Because if we just keep piling all these other issues, which they all lay on the table together, then we're never gonna get one issue solved. Cause we're all gonna be like, oh, well, let's pull this one out and let's pull this one out and let's pull this one out. So like you said, your voice is silenced. Your opinions don't matter. Your validity in the fight is null and void because remember, we have all these other issues within our, our plight that are equally as important. Instead of saying, I hear you, my sister, and I understand you and what you're saying is valid and important. Mm -hmm. And yes, women are exploited at a rate that's exponential. And not that it's not equal to black men, but we're not talking about them. We're not talking about him. We're talking about you. And so we honor you and we value you and we stand here with you and we support you and however you need to be supported so that we can prevent it from happening further. That's the conversation that sometimes needs to be had that just isn't. And it may be implied, because your brother sits next to you. But until it's felt, you can apply all you want. Yeah, there's this kind of co-option between this idea of patriarchy really plays itself out. And I know people don't like to talk about intersectionality and things like that, because the way that they take up intersectionality isn't exactly what I even mean when I'm saying it. Um, I'm not talking about all of the different isms that exist within my experience. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about being a black woman and, mm -hmm. and how how nuanced and intersected that is without bringing in trans women and, and gay this and um, ability that. I'm just talking about black women in and of itself. Hot and taut Venus, there was no intersection. It was just about her body parts and what she represented. And people prodded and poked at this woman because they saw her as an object. And what's that? A freak show. A freak show. And I think that that kind of narrative has, although twisted and turned, it still kind of exists. And if you're not trying to think about the experience of a black woman from understanding that to, to what it must feel like, 
You know, I'm often put in a place where I need to understand the hypersexualization of black men and white women wanting these men. And but there's some kind of allure to that in the sense that patriarchy makes that kind of like a, a good look. If a lot of women want me, there's a it's a place where people can stay in that space, and it's kind of I don't know, kind of sick way of of looking at yourself. Um, but for black women, it just seems problematized for me that my existence has always been one of objectification. And I think that it's similar to black men, but it's different because I'm a woman and patriarchy yeah. also takes up a space there. And how that plays out for me, let's say I'm in, in terms of you know choosing a mate and what's available to me when I'm looking at who am I gonna align myself with if I'm a heterosexual black female and I want to be with a heterosexual black male, what are the options available to me? Is he able to understand what it is that I need from him um, in terms of just being a person first? Um, what are his values? Because I've often seen the men, you know, giving each other daps when they're talking about a black woman. <laughs> you know, they're they're highlighting the aspects that we get exploited for amongst mm -hmm. themselves. And so we're we're aware of that. It's not it's not foreign to us. We hear ourselves talked about all the time and we're not spoken to in the sense of trying to understand. And if there are any black women that are just watching that want to grab this spot because it's difficult to have this conversation to be heard and to be understood when nobody wants to talk about it. And if black right. women are willing to show up, we don't want to penalize them for showing up. We're happy that they're showing up. But if we're saying that we want to be heard, then it's up to us to speak for them to mm -hmm. hear. And, and, and if they are showing up, I'm, I'm down to have the conversation with them, but I want, I want, um, I want them to understand for me personally that I have an experience being a black woman that is really difficult to explain. It's really yeah. difficult to explain in that I feel that I'm undermined. I feel like I'm made to feel like I'm either really angry or I'm, I'm overly emotional. And mm -hmm. I have to tease through all of those things just, just to show up in the world and still present in a particular way that allows me to still feel you know, desired because a woman wants to still feel desired. Just because I want respect doesn't mean that I don't want to be desired. So the yeah. man might feel like, well, damn, I don't know what to do. <laughs> How how do I how do I desire you and still respect you at the same time? And I think that's that lens of patriarchy. That's that understanding of ourselves through the oppressing the oppressor. How do we start to get to know one another for who we are as people? Yeah, yeah. That's the part that I am struggling with. What's the matter, Kinte? Toxic <laughs> manhood. Come on, Dre. It exists. What is toxic manhood? Can somebody break that down for me? Sorry, I gotta call you out on that one. Hate that term. Toxic manhood. Why you don't like it, Kente? Dre, can you come in and explain? To oh, Please, okay. Dre. He's here. That's the same guy. Oh, I hope it works. Because I'm. I mean, like I've heard this term, this toxic manhood, toxic and I don't really and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand what that is. I can tell you what Google says. Ooh, look at the haircut. Mm -hmm. Look at the job, Thank you. I appreciate it. So, real what quick. Is, 
based on what she was describing, she has some uh there's some truth into what she was saying. Who's How, she? Uh, LA. Oh my sorry. god. Sorry, Talk based on what you were saying. LA. In the room. <laughs> sorry. LA. All right. Now, what she was saying is, um, and I could be wrong. Uh, I'm listening. She was saying that um, that there's a line between how a woman is viewed as respectful and how a woman is viewed as desirable, right? And sometimes men cannot differentiate the two, or they can't mix the two. So they see somebody that they desire, but they may not be able to respect them, and vice versa. There's this woman that they respect, but they don't desire her. I'll give an example. Oprah people respect, but they may not desire her the same way they would desire um, Holly Berry. Understand what I'm saying? So I think in what she was saying, when it comes to toxic manhood, and by the way, I'm not saying everybody, every man out there is toxic. Toxic masculinity or toxic manhood is a learned behavior. It's stuff that they're exposed to that causes them to act out a certain way, treat women a certain way. So we can say that we don't like that term. If we don't like that term, we don't want to be self-reflective about it. And that's the that's the actual truth. Yep. So we got to be able to say it does exist because we see it. If we look into ourselves, we probably have been proponents of it, but sometimes we don't want to be self-reflective. Sometimes we don't want to say I was a part of the problem at one point, or I could be part of the problem. Like if I was to look at LA and see only her physical, I think she was beautiful, right? Uh, some guys will look and just, just be motivated by that alone, right? But then when they realize she got a brain, then it's like, she has a mind that she could think for herself and she's intelligent. Then it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. You know? And that's, that, and that's learned behavior. And that does exist. So we may not like that term, but it, it exists. Dre, you're, I, you know, I love Dre. Dre is a great dude. He's a, He's I, I I always say this. I always feel like a scumbag when I listen to Dre, because I'm not as nice as Dre. Um, you, you know, you're a great yeah. dude. You're a really good dude, man. And I and I aspire to be a better human being. I guess I'm just not that guy. You're good, bro. You're, you're good. Well, even though you don't realize it, I'm a sleazeball. You're much better than you. Were. Hey, by the way, how was church today? I was at church too. By the way, I know. See, you're a good, bro. Okay, Shannon is saying hegemonic masculinity is defined as a practice that legitimizes powerful men's dominant position in society and justifies the subordination of the common male population and women and other marginalized ways of being a man. Textbook definition, Shannon. Thank you for sharing with us. I, I hate that term. And, in, and one of the great ambassadors of uh, this toxic masculinity thing is uh, Terry Crews, who he does all these speeches about ending toxic masculinity and all that. I think they're trying to get rid of masculinity, period. Um, men and women are not the same. We don't think the same way. We're different. Um, things that float our boat is different. Things that you guys value, generally we don't value this in the same way. And sometimes they make just things that just come with manhood as it's toxic. No, it's being a freaking man who's not a, a uh, who doesn't wear a purse, who doesn't um, prance around like, you know, uh, you know, like a real man, you know? And yes, you can quote unquote say it's toxic if you, you know, there's certain aspects that, you know, uh, you can be, I don't even, can, I don't even see, I don't 
put that with masculinity. Just, you know, a guy who beats his wife, that's not masculine at all. That's not a masculine thing. To me, that's a, that's the opposite of that. So when you say toxic masculinity, um, I, don't, I don't like those two words put together because masculine, true masculinity is not toxic. And I don't think you should put those two together. Sometimes masculinity, period, is considered toxic. And it seems like that's what they're trying to really trying to get rid of, especially with brothers. They're trying to they're trying to discontinue masculine brothers like it's a uh, like it's a model that they're trying to rub out. And to be honest with you, you don't want masculine black men to go away because what will happen is once they're gone. Good luck. OK, you need warriors. They're trying to get rid of the warriors and we need to get out of this thing about where we trying to decrease the warrior class and make every brother cute and cuddly, you know? Can I can I throw something in here? I appreciate, first of all, I'm in agreement with you real quick that there's a there's toxicity and there's toxic human behavior, right? Mm. Period. And I don't like this branding of toxic masculinity. Um, you're right. There is an agenda to criminalize and and how should I say to create this sort of stigma that as you're, you're 100% right, that masculinity in and of itself is in many ways negative. And it starts when our, when our sons are young, when they're running around in the classroom and they're getting pushed the drugs because they got to calm down. It starts early, right? That things that are inherently male traits and behaviors are wrong. However, let's double back and go back to what, what LA was saying with this conversation. So this is an issue about objectification of and, and, are the connection, the, the whole business of the feminine, right? And so I just want to make sure that, because I've, I've learned a lot from my dialogues with LA over the years where I just, I don't want this to divulge back into a conversation about masculinity. Perhaps we can get into that next week, but can we just stay focused again on what's going on for black women? Uh, because, and so if there's any women that are in the room, I mean, unless we only exist in relation to the men in our lives, well, that's the yin and yang thing, yeah. I mean, is you know, light only can be seen because of darkness, and darkness exists because of lightness. Do the does the black woman show up because of black men, and vice, and vice versa. versa? That I mean, is that what we're trying to say here? Go ahead, Dre. I, I am a product of Gloria and Vernon, but at the end of the day, I am a woman. So what is it that you want people to understand? But just before you say that, um, Tanya said, a good example of this is when men marry women they respect, but step out to be intimate with another, you know, with the, the more promiscuous woman. A woman they desire. A woman they desire. Who plays a very significant role? Who does? You she plays a, a significant role. The woman um, that's desirable? Yeah, the desire the, the the side woman or whatever. The desired woman is playing a significant role in having the men's man step out on his wife. No, yeah. I'm just saying that that uh I was just saying don't don't discount side women. What? So we should give her a cookie, is what right, you're saying. Right, 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 right. <laughs> She's yeah, don't 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 discount. LA mute mute him. <laughs> Man, I don't even understand what he's saying. Women, yes, women do do it too. Um, concubines need love too. Ha ha. Like, see, it becomes a joke, 
right? It's a joke. It's like, a joke. it's not. And so this is how we don't know how to show up to be heard. We don't know how to show up to be seen. And so we, we take on the tropes. We become the Val types of either the mammy or the concubine, or we try to align ourselves with the white respectability because we're more likely to find a man to become, you know, somebody's wife, if that's what we're going for. Where can a woman just be? I mean, everybody just needs to just be. It's not a black male or a black female thing. But I feel as though there's a little bit more agency, and I could be wrong, in terms of a man. Be because of patriarchy, there's a place where a man can stand, and that becomes who he is. Whereas the black woman, she almost has to decide who she's going to be in that scenario. And she is mostly deciding based on her subsistence. So it's like, okay, I guess I, here I am. I'm a 45 year old woman. I'm divorced. I would really like to be able to find someone to have as a companion to grow with and, and do all of these things. But I have no idea how to engage a man at this stage without showing up as one of these things that they objectify me to be. I'm either gonna be, most of the men I marry or uh, meet are married or they're too young and they want to start a family. Like I don't, I don't have much to go with. So it's like whatever he defines for me almost is like what I get to choose. Mm -hmm. So I get to choose whatever the man is defining for me. Whereas I would like to be able to define for myself and then be, go out there and find a man who was also looking for me to, uh, to show up in the way that I want to show up in the world. I'm just not sure. It's so you're looking for somebody who sees your purpose and aligns with it, not subtracts from it, not diminishes right. who you are and degrades your worth. Someone who sees you as an equal in a partnership and not just a uh, subservient. But they get to define those rules. Right. So if, if I'm trying to be if I'm trying to be with you, Kente, and you decide that, ah, girl, sit down, you good. You know, it's kind of like, okay, if, I, if I'm lonely enough, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down and be quiet. Or if, if I'm with Dre and he's like, yo, I want you to come over here and sit that ass down and blah, blah, blah. So then maybe it's like, okay, if I'm lonely enough, maybe that's what I'm going to, I can't, I have to compromise maybe who no. I am. But no. that's what you said, if you're lonely enough. No, there's nothing wrong with it. How are that. you saying no when the women, the three women on this board right here are saying yes? That's like the conscious bias that I'm talking about. It's not about what you are, what we're saying. LA. You can't just say no when three women are here saying yes. I'm going to do that. So that's what shuts us down and we just follow along. I think that when you're in a state of, of, of want of anything, whether it be companionship, uh, and, and I do want to open the floor back again to the exploitation question, but whether it be a state of companionship or economic want or whatever, you're more susceptible to be at effect by the third party or the other individual. So let's be honest that I think that there's merit to, to what, not just merit, but what, what LA is saying is very, very true. People bend themselves into pretzels in order to find the right relationship, but it depends on circumstance, age, economics, loneliness, family history, family support. You start removing some of those pillars and all of a sudden a person's very, they're less stable and less able to have that agency where they feel that they can really define themselves because they're, as I said, at effect by their surroundings or their lack of support. 
But again, so then we start talking, let's go back again to the whole business of exploitation. So it is easier to exploit somebody. Like, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but there's a young lady that's in, in my life who, who has, and I've noticed since she was a very young girl, recently found out that she's in the adult, she's in the adult industry, in the sex trade. And I just think about how her life has been affected by not having family support, not having good, solid male role models, um, not having great relationship with her mother and how all of that. And, and I'm not even going to make racialize it. I'm just going to say that it's it's it has it's sort of an, an, her, her her destination is almost inevitable because of the way her life has been structured. Right. So. How do we find, like, I, again, I, I don't want to take away from, from the ladies no, here in this con goes, conversation. That's, that's where you have to enter the conversation when we start talking about protection and the things that, how men can show up for women. Right. It's from or, understanding from where you just said, entered the conversation. Right. <laughs> or back to the um, Sarah Bartman, right? It, it seems like there's going to be exploitation somehow, some way, right? So I, I'm going to... Turn it back to what you were saying, LA. So with her, she's like, okay, if there's going to be exploitation. I'm about to get something out of it. Or how women do it today, I'm going to do things on my terms. If this man's going to want this, I'll be willing to give it to it. He'll get what he wants, but it has to be on my terms, which is probably why we have the women that we see on these shows like Real Housewives and stuff like that. Because now it's, it's a point where um, it seems like Women will be exploited. And if that's the case, then we're going to be exploited the way I want to be exploited. I am going to do what I need to do for me to get what I can out of it if there's going to be exploitation anyway. So as you was in that example that you was given, L.A., if a guy, um, you know, tells you come over and, and sit it on him or whatever, uh, and if you're lonely and you're willing to do it because you're lonely, uh, the, the woman who says, okay, if I'm going to be exploited, all right, I am going to be like, okay, um, I, I will. But what I need you to do is when I get there, I need dinner. All right. I need a bath. Uh, also, this these shoes that I like, um, these red bottoms. Um, so make sure you have your credit card or debit card ready because we're about to go online, get those, and then we can do whatever we need to do. You see, so it's, it's, like, it's economic, man. It's economic. Like if like, yeah. have you ever heard of this this thing, sugar babies and sugar daddies? Yeah. Yeah. Like, of like course, I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. Work for tuition. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, it's, pay my school yeah. bills. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so it seems like, then I have a question. Is exploitation unavoidable? Wherever there's asymmetric power between male and female, like, mm. it, it's, it's almost an, it's an, and it's not, it's not racial. There is a racial component to it, but it's it's not necessarily racialized. It's just men men dominate money. Yeah, I think uh, race just you know problematizes it, it. It adds to it yeah. because of our historical experience on both sides. Yeah, yeah. It, that's and and so and so you're right. And so I just want to say something. So let's go back to why the I think some of us guys started to get into the conversation the way we did is because. We, as a black man, we're interacting with black women from a very similar economic place. Yeah. We both are in a state of lack, right? Yes. So, so if if we're if we're if we're both lacking, we have to uplift each other. And so, how do we do that? How do how does a black man show up? So let's go back to the picture of the the Asian 
man holding the breast of those two women. So women, you're going to tell me there was no men in that picture? There was no men around? There's probably a man holding the camera taking a picture, right? But he's in a state of lack. He's not capable of standing up to the wealthy uh, uh, Chinese uh, uh, tourists. So that's that's where we come, because we feel disempowered. And so maybe that's where we start to hijack the conversation, because we feel like, again, that state of disempowerment, because we're the ones who, you know, we want to stand up for our women. Some of us, not everybody. There's some guys who don't really care. But... For those you know, who do want to, we, we feel like we need to. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead, Kinte. Um, you know, so, okay, so you said that um, when when you want to have these conversations, the women want to talk, and then the men come in and all of that. It's like, I thought it was a dialogue. Like a dialogue. Like you can't have the dialogue just with women. In order to make this thing work, black men and black women have to have a dialogue with each other. And what's going to come with it is not always like, you know what, you're right. Every you know you're a hundred percent right. Everything you say is right. No, that that's disingenuous. If when you have a dialogue, I'm not going to always agree. Now, some of the things that might be from the point of view of I'm not a woman, so I don't have I don't have the experiences of a woman. The only thing I can speak of is from a man's point of view who's dealt with many women and what I believe. So, if you want to have these conversations where you just want men to listen or people to listen then you know i mean what is what's going to come out of that you want a dialogue you want i never uh, said that i actually said to facts i said that's the place where you enter the conversation is in showing me that you're actually hearing what i have to say trying to understand my position and then let's enter into a conversation from there but if you just come to the conversation and already feel like you have something to add before you even know what I'm dealing with, then you're gonna have a breakdown in communication. You're gonna be fixing a problem that I might not need fixing. Um, and that's when we feel like we've lost our agency. That's no, but see, I'm, not, like I'm, not, I'm talking about once we've listened to what you're talking about and then we want to then add from our per perspective of where we're coming from, why we may act the way that we do or what we agree or, or don't agree with. Um, I think it's all valid. So you're assuming we're not listening. We are listening. And we, you know, we've had these conversations with many black women. So, um, you know, I don't think we're the bad guys here. Um, I don't think the guys are bad guys. I don't think it's like that. I think that what I hear you saying is that you have an experience and that you are coming into the, to the conversation. You want to have a dialogue that both includes the woman's experience, but you also want to be able to add yours so that we can have a combined understanding in order to move forward. Would that be right, Kinte? Yes, because... So right, wait, wait, wait. So right there, you feel heard and understood and you feel validated in what your experiences have been of in this conversation. No. What I'm saying is exactly... No, I mean, this the little dialogue between you and I right there where I summarize what you had to say and then asked you if that's what you were trying to say. And now I'm engaging you around that point. That's all I'm saying that we're looking for as black women. I need to hear that too, because everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to feel like their, their feelings matter. And so if you do that in the conversation, then it, it can ha actually have a really great outcome instead of it being about men versus women and polarization of our experiences. And But I know just, what you're referring to. And you kind of miscast what you said. You, didn't you said say, 
no, you, say, you did not say, no, I'm talking about, you didn't say that black women have these problems. You said that black women are more, um, so you started that one when you said black women are more hated on or whatever. We're talking about like from two weeks ago, whatever. I think that, that's what you were referring to because you brought it up. Guess what? I'm not talking about days. two weeks. I'm talking about in no, this no, 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 no. You said that, though, you brought this up like what a day ago or something like that when we had, had that conversation. <laughs> don't act like you don't know what we're talk I'm talking about. You I'm talking, talking about this conversation. I'm not talking about a private conversation that we had offline. That's that's crazy. And now when we're talking about it, we're able to, you know, put together the best way to communicate with one another. If I even spoke to you um, at 440, at 345 and had that conversation with you, but we've now explained right. during between four and this time now, a better way of communicating, why would you bring up 345? Because I'm talking right. about right now. Right now is what we're learning that in this moment, it's better to engage the conversation from understanding where the other person is coming from. That's what I'm saying right now. This is what I've learned as a result of this conversation. But I don't, I don't know what you, what you mean by what I was saying two weeks ago about black women. What, what did you say I said? Black women what? It's irrelevant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Um, keep that we do. Why do we do that? Like, it's like you don't, we never want to even finish the conversation and even the level of understanding amongst ourselves. You know, it's not irrelevant because it was brought up, um, but that's a coping mechanism. May, may I offer something? I, I, uh, I'm the headless man and y'all get to see me, but when you come to, come to LA's house, you see me, I'm always here. Um, Here's something I want to offer that sometimes when men and women have these types of conversations, it's about a willingness to sometimes give space to just hear what the other person is saying on both sides. Yeah. Uh, LA and I can probably remember uh, uh, a uh, an eventful conversation that was had about maybe a year ago, wasn't it? At, 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 Jack at, at Jack Astor's restaurant. Yo, really yo, <laughs> yo, Jack Astor's was lit up that day. Because, and what it came down to was that sometimes there's little discrete points that somebody's trying to make and they're trying to say something, but they don't have the words right in that moment. And what I've really tried to learn in this past year in my development is to just give the space, jot it down, and maybe check in with them later and say, this is what I understood you to say. Am I correct? And as a man, and this has nothing to do with toxic masculinity, by the way, but just as a man, we're not often taught, like my, my, my stepdad used to grunt at me. I think I probably said 14 words to him in 45 years. So I didn't learn how to communicate from the males in my life. But uh, yeah. sometimes it's very, so for, so for the women that sometimes you communicate with men and you think we're not hearing you, be patient. And for us men, sometimes it's like, you know what? We have to also, back off for a second and say, all right, there's something to be learned here. Maybe, cause maybe they're not getting, cause men are very linear. I think sometimes in the way we talk, whereas women sort of in, and I don't want to generalize, but oftentimes in my experiences, women uh, are much more capable of moving around in a topic before getting to where they want to the ultimate destination. And you needed to find the little breadcrumbs along the journey to really find what they were trying to say. And that's for some men a very difficult issue, uh, a very difficult thing to do. 
you seem very reflective there. Yeah, I am right that, now. That was good fact. Yeah. But honestly, like, I I don't I don't understand that what we're saying is different because what I try to um, model in this conversation with you, Kinte, is that I was listening to what you had to say. I summarized what you had to say, and I asked you if it was correct. And then all I was trying to get at is that this is where we need to engage one another. We need to hear what the person is saying, summarize it, and ask them if, if we're getting it right so that we can engage in a conversation. Yeah, I think and that's a, that's a great way. That's how I think most conversations should be had. You know, but when we ask that, is that what, we, what, I, what I hear? We got to give space for the person to answer that. And if they answer it, and if it's contrary to what we said, if it's contrary to what we summarize, then you got to give that person an opportunity to say, no, let me explain further and then give further. Um, I don't think Kente had the opportunity to do that. So please, because you wanted to walk away. Sorry, Shannon, go ahead. But he shook his head yes and said yes. His eyes got mm -hmm. And she asked, is that what you were saying? And he said, shook his head yes, unless it's not the universal yes anymore, and said yes. So when guys, when guys do this, his mind. he has to this. his mind. Yeah. Body language. When guys do this, because I do this a lot too. All right, I'll shake my head, and it's because I'm listening and I'm taking it in. It's not necessarily saying that I agree with what's being said. I'm taking it in, and I guess it's, it's a lot like what Fax was saying. Like guys, um, uh, very, uh, it can be very linear when they when they listen, and they're receiving all this information and in all this information, in. and what they're doing is they're processing it in hopes to have an appropriate response afterwards. Okay. That, that, okay. that speaks directly to the point. Um, and I'm not sure if Kenty had the opportunity to, to completely answer that. No, no. I walked away from the opportunity. And that was frustrating for me. How did I walk away from the opportunity? I didn't hear what you have to say. And then no, you I say, no, I didn't, walk, no, I didn't walk away from the opportunity at all. I mean, um, you said, I forgot what you said. Um, you said something and I was like, then you said, oh, this is not about with two weeks and all of that. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, if we're starting there, then, then, I mean, what is, like you said something early on in the show and I was basically referencing what you said early on, which kind of related to what was said in that show two weeks ago. And you were basically saying that when you said that black women, you, you change your wording around and said that what you said was that black women are also harmed or I can't remember exactly what it was, but, and then I, so then I was basically bringing that up because that's not what you said before. That was exactly, that was the only thing that I had a, um, a thing about was that's not what the wording that you used. And that's why I brought it up. I wouldn't have brought it up. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have brought it up if it wasn't for that, that point that you had made. And the thing is, because you're saying that we, we turn into the uh, oppression Olympics or whatever and all of that, you know, no, it's not even about that. There's no like it, it's almost it's like no one has a better seat on the Titanic. You know, we're all going to the iceberg. So we as a as black men and women have to figure out a way to help each other. And we have to, yes, we have to listen to each other. That's true. But then we also, at the end of the day, have to agree that we're in it together. And as a community, what are we going to do 
to to uh, push forward. I, I do you feel complete with what you're saying? Uh, sure. Um, Shannon just read, she wrote, um, she read the quote I posted from Alchem X about black women being the most disrespected. And that's what I referenced, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago, I don't know when it was, but in one of the shows where that was the case. Um, and then you, you actually came out of the chat room and didn't want to be a part of the conversation anymore. No, that's, uh, not, that, what I, that's not what happened. Oh, okay, what that happened? That is what happened. That isn't, but I don't even want, like I said, well, it's irrelevant now. I use my life as an example to to learn how to do it because if you and I can't have a conversation, then how can we expect other people to have a conversation? We are so having a conversation. We are having I a conversation. Mean, okay, I feel like this is getting semantical. I'm just talking about the fact that you and I are having a misunderstanding, and that it's a, it serves as a great example as to where things go wrong when men and women are talking to one another. So you have an understanding about something that happened two weeks ago, and I have an understanding that seemed to be at odds with one another. Um, I read some, I put, Shannon put a quote up, I read it, you had a reaction to it. I questioned that reaction and you came out of the chat room. That's I don't know why happened. you came out of it. Okay, so if that's not what happened, what happened? No, you had went on this, you, you were talking about black women being the most disrespected, right? And I wasn't going to disagree with black women not being disrespected. That's silly. Obviously, black women are being disrespected. I started to talk and you perceived what I was saying as in conflict to what I was saying. And before I could even get a sentence out, then I got attacked from both of you guys. So instead of instead of continuing when I'm not even being, you know, when I'm not even talking. So I just said, well, okay, I'm going to, um, I'm just going to sit back and let the conversation unfold. Do you feel it? Can I jump in? Did you feel attacked in this conversation? No, I don't reference what I'm doing is attacking you. I'm just talking. And this is part of what I'm, this is what I mean by showing up as a black woman. I'm angry. I'm 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 doing something. I'm just simp I'm talking, and I've never spoken any different than how I'm speaking right now. So I don't know why you're perceiving that as attacking you. May, may I may I throw something in as a sort of a, not a referee here, but just an arbiter watching both sides? Is that as a uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kinte? But the, earlier on, when we were going when we were discussing things, and the issue came up about. Um, black men needing perhaps to listen more and sort of take more of a backseat in this dialogue and how it, it sort of felt like, how should I say, was the feeling that in some way the men were hijacking the conversation? And I just want to get to some quick yes or no. So was the feeling that in some way it felt like Ellie was sort of getting at that we were hijacking the conversation. I never got no, that. No, I'm not saying Shannon you said was the I'm, one that brought it. No, no, I'm not saying you said that. I'm just, I'm just going I'm I'm just, I'm using, I'm trying to use all I, sides of my I brain. I understand, but I'm just saying that Shannon brought it up. Yes. That it, for her, Jordan needed to keep on top of the conversation for what the topic was. Agreed. LA didn't say that. Okay, LA fair. is the one trying to hear what everybody has to say. Fair. So when I, and I typically take that position fair. when I'm talking to people. So when I'm then told that I'm, I am attacking somebody when really all I'm doing is trying to facilitate a conversation, mm -hmm. 
then how is it that I could show up so that it feels better for you? Because I'm hearing that you feel a particular way. No, I don't. It. The usual funny thing is. No, you're you're okay. The only reason why the only reason why see what I mean? All right, so wait, wait, stop. Let me just let me just say this. Um, so uh we have to we're we're very concerned about perceptions and how um particularly and about the the conversation, how black women are exploited and how black women are perceived. All right. Uh, Kente's trying to respond and this automatic excitement instead of just le letting him finish let him finish and then we can respond so I'm I, and I'm not saying that nobody anybody's looking like an angry person and anywhere but I think that perception could be that if you get excited while he's responding just so let's give everybody space to just talk okay Thank you. Thank you. I love Dre. Dre's a great dude. No, I mean, no, it's, it's only no, fair. The, I think only reason, the only reason why I brought that up was a day ago you brought it up. I had forgot. I I mean, honestly, I had forgotten it that it even happened because it wasn't that big of a deal to me. So the perception, like you brought it up, like it was like this real painful thing. And I'm like, I had to remember what you were talking about. So mm -hmm. so that's why I was like, kind of like when you brought it up, I was like, I didn't. I had to actually think about what had happened. So it wasn't that. It was in that moment when I actually thought about it, it was I was trying, you know, like I was about to say something. And before I could even say something, then it was like, oh, da, 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 da. so then it was just like, okay, well, then I'm going uh, to just, uh, I'm going to just take myself out of it so that. So, because, so catch it. Mm -hmm. I have a question because I've been oh, having a question. So, Kenty, do you tend to withdraw when people do get excited when you when you say something in response or in response to what you say? No, not really. Normally, I don't. Okay. Normally I don't but one thing I, was out of respect for this is not my platform. I didn't want to get into a back and forth with the host of the show. So, you know, and I didn't see it as being important for me to do that. So that's one of the reasons why I, I just said, well, let me not, um, you know. Can I, can mm -hmm. I talk? Yeah. Okay. So what I heard earlier, and then I'm gonna ask my question is that you felt like we attacked you. So I'm, I'm going to ask a question and then I'm going to make Are a statement. And I'm going to the question. So this happened allegedly two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. How many times since then have you talked to myself or LA? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What? Two? Three times? I okay, so you talked about two or three times? Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm asking that question is, is because for us, as you can tell, not go that you felt attacked. And I know you and I are co-hosts. Listen, no, no, no. I'm just referencing what you said. Not saying that right now it's right or wrong. I just want to acknowledge it because one, I consider you my friend first. Two, you are my co-host and I see and talk to you on a regular. You ask me what's wrong. You ask me what's going on. We talk about shit. So at the end of the day, if you felt attacked, I want to own 
was never my intention. Wait a minute. First. You missed the whole point of what I said. I didn't even think about it. I never thought about it again. It was only because I brought it up. Like yesterday or the day before. I can't remember when that was. I didn't again, It was like. Listen. You're not now you're not giving me the room to say what I need to say because I'm acknowledging what you already said. The point I'm making, that is what I want you to realize. The point I'm making is if that because that is what you said, you felt attacked. I was unaware that you felt attacked. And we talked multiple times since then. Of course, you just said it was just brought to your cognizance from this conversation. So I'm acknowledging it because that's what we should do because we're friends. I'm acknowledging that you felt attacked in that moment. That was never my intention. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have used the word attack. I didn't, I mean, it wasn't that serious. Like, I, I don't want it to sound like I was in a ball crying. Like, that's silly. It wasn't like an attack. Like, you, I wasn't attacked. Like, I, I wasn't like, uh, you know, mugged in the, in the uh, street corner. I'm just saying that the minute I started talking, then it was like all this flood of on conversation. So that's why I, I said, well, okay, I don't, this is going into a weird place that I don't want to actually be in. So that's why I bowed out. I didn't even think about it no more. It wasn't a thing to me. Like this is not until now. Uh -huh. two weeks ago. No, but it was only not to now. It was because LA brought it up. We were having, we had a conversation and she brought it up as like, it was this thing that I didn't even know. About okay, can you, wait, please, because I can't. I hate being summarized um, and spoken for. When I am bringing it up, I'm trying to bring up the fact that black men and black women have problems having conversations, and that when they often retreat out of a conversation, it doesn't allow for it to get resolved. And this is a clear example that it wasn't ever resolved for something that didn't mean anything. It's sure having quite an impact in this room. And you can open your eyes and be like, what, what? But it is, and maybe not for you, and that's fine. But there's other people that are experiencing it, not just you and I, that it's it's affecting and impacting. And that's, that's all I'm trying to bring light to is we need to have better ways of communicating so that we can work together to save the black family, to even have a black family, to be able to do things in our community that is going to move us forward. But if we can't have hard conversations that may be insignificant to you, but significant to someone else, then that's where the problem right. is. Because black women often feel like their experience is insignificant and we're trying to prove it to have a real conversation. So while something that we spoke, to, spoke about two weeks ago, an hour ago, a day ago, is having a, a response from people, it's important to hear that I may have been hurt, even though you weren't, and to address that hurt and not just act like I don't care. It's who cares, it didn't even mean anything to me. Cause that in and of itself is also damaging to the being able to heal past a certain situation. I think that that's a great example, like great example. Like what well, this is residual of, this is the residual effects of un, um, like a, a situation that wasn't complete. And now it's trying to, it seems like it's, it's the universe is trying to wrap it up right now. And uh, this is actually a really good conversation. Uh, really good conversation. Uh, and, this, and again, this just what, what happened two weeks ago wasn't closed and that was still open. And now maybe this be an opportunity for it to be 
to be closed. And while the two people that are being objectified in the conversation or the three people that are being objectified in the conversation might feel awful, we're also learning how to communicate. And for me, this is the 1000% reason why I want the elephant room to be something that is, is happening. Because this is where we want to show an example of what it is. These are hard conversations. They are taboo conversations. Sometimes it's unspoken. But this is where the beauty of it is. This is if we can actually get over ourselves to a place of empathy and love, then that's how we're gonna start to heal our, our, our community. And with that, I'm going to just close out the elephant room and thank everybody for tuning in. I know black people don't like to air out their dirty laundry in front of people, but this was something that was necessary. Kinte, I appreciate you staying in the room and speaking with me, Shannon, for your input, Dre, for your mediation, for facts and everybody else who participated. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll see you next Sunday at 4. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um.